Hey everybody, this is Pete from the Spinner Rack, and we also have Calvin Ellis ready to torch it. Torch wow, it. I couldn't even stop him. All right, so um we have talked about it, we gave our review, we did a couple of teaser reviews of this, and they're already talking about what's coming out in April. Rebel Moon Part Two, the Scar Giver, right? So um ultimately um let's watch it i mean if you watched it they did have a, a trailer at the end we'll see how different this one is we'll see if there's anything different and new and exciting their nightmare is us fighting together to defend something we love You must know you cannot win. Gather every hunting rifle, every knife, every round of ammunition in the village. That's impressive. Thing is the last time we met. I kill you. Well, um, all I can say is, do you want to go? See, that last line right there, I think, is emblematic of why this is bad. What are you trying to achieve? The same thing that I achieved last time we met. I kill you. Well, you didn't kill him the last time, did you? So, <laughs> what are you trying to achieve? Failure? It's just some okay. We're gonna have some hot takes and some really cool visuals. But like I said, when we did the review, I am gonna to try to go into this with a different perspective and say, you know, well, maybe it's possible for me to just enjoy this based on the execution and the excellence of the of the visuals, which everybody says Zack Snyder does well, and I agree, he does do these particular things well because the story rarely, if ever, uh, uh, bears out. I was, I was just realizing this the other day. So I was looking at some video that some guy clipped together of, uh, you know, some Zack Snyder stuff to, to make a Superman versus Thanos fight. And I just realized if Zack Snyder was to put out a Justice League movie every year, he would have an audience for it. They would just want to tune in for his hot take on these things. And this is pretty much his hot take on the Seven Samurai. But... Because the story is so bad, I'm actually rooting. Normally, you root for the Seven Samurai. I'm rooting for the bad guys. I, because it's, it, the story is just that bad. It's like, I don't see why these people are even fighting anymore. The guy who was responsible for these guys being attacked, they assume that he's dead. 
So why are they still going to, to the defense at this point? They should have been like, oh, well, great. You know, this dude is dead. He's probably, you know, nobody's coming here. It was only him that we had the agreement with. So we should be all right. Instead, they're like, no, we got to get ready to fight. We'll fight who? <laughs> you killed the guy who was supposed to be coming back to do the to do all the damage. So, you know, you know, the story is just, again, even from the trailers, like this story just looks like it's a, it's a big mess, hella bad. I don't know why she decided to go and chop her hair up and look like the little Dutch boy. But hey, you know, fight's coming up. You got to, you know, you got to get a haircut. Well, that's the, I mean, I don't understand why she would go back to her, the military cut she had before. I would just say one of the things which I would give, give you a break on the first one being similar. And I mean, I get it. You came to them and you put up what you felt was some of your best ideas and to see like um, Ray and to see some of your elements all through Rogue One, Force Awakens. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, most, pretty much all of Force Awakens, but it was more childlike in what they were doing and playing with the to- old toys type of stuff. But um, I expect to see something different, right? And the hard part to do is, you know, if you're, you know, like a person who's a, you know, you're going to different worlds and you're trying to conquer different things. The hard part is, is that you need a reason for these people to come here and, um, you know, attack this world and have a fight on this world when we've already seen they've been able to blow up planets. Now, we gave um, the Star Wars saga a lot of, you know, leeway in having the Ewoks fight the stormtroopers because we love Star Star Wars, right? So we kind of gave it a ton of leeway to say these backwards, huh? We shut leeway. We shut our brains off. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you know, we. It, but it had two very strong films, and we had to see the third one after the ending of the second one. So it was like damn straight. So it's like maybe even you know even. Having it with um, Wookiees, you have a thing where they can destroy a planet, so they have it where okay, we're we're trying to build it up, so we at some point we'll destroy the planet. But you know, it wasn't a like a what's that thing? It wasn't a Vietnam thing where you can have going on other people's land, or even you can have it like um, was it Germany going into Russia, where it's a slaughter. It's like <laughs> a slaughter. And then there's a reason why, I guess, like War in the Worlds, where it's like, okay, we gained all this ground, and then we lost all this ground, where we didn't decide, all right, we, we won, we need to move out. So you got to have something where, but then that bore, that, that's boring. I can say it's not going to really work for your storytelling, but for this second one, I need to see a lot of different stuff. I don't need to see some backwards farmers turning into freaking um, slow-mo you know, <laughs> slow-mo fighters and all that stuff. And you just, I was just a water carrier and now I'm able to fight these guys. I mean, it's, you know, um, whether they, I just think it's kind of, it's going to be kind of ridiculous going into this one. But at the same time, I don't have anything. I think one of the things that's kind of lost when they do it, only seen it done in like a couple comic books. Because the fight I thought was done well because they didn't, show that they showed that she was worried and he was he was overconfident so in coming back and after being destroyed 
and killed, and he comes back, she should be like, <laughs> not again. <laughs> like I did everything I could. It's not going to go the same way. It's like when you see someone, you have like, you know, like when who's it? Floyd gets hit by Shane Mosley, and then he got hit again, and then the next time he switches up, and the next thing you know, Shane can't fight anymore. He's like trying to do something. That he's like, he totally, that's the thing. I'll do, do you one better. It was, uh, it was Mayweather and uh, McGregor. And he got McGregor in the corner. He's just boxing his head around, and he stopped the fight. And then, you know, McGregor's on film was like, well, he didn't knock me out. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> are yeah. Are you kidding me? I said, like, did you really want him to beat you in the head until you finally passed out? Is that what you wanted? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? He's like, no, no, no. The guy had, I said this in the review, the dude had cybernetics. Okay, the dude had cybernetics. And somehow she was still able to pull out the win. It's like, he's coming back. It's like, no, I already know how I would feel. It's like, hey, I beat this dude. I was at my, my A game. This dude was at his A game. I beat him. And it wasn't like I beat him straight up. I beat him because, like, the lay of the land went my way. Yeah. And, you know, then I was able to do that whole kick him off the thing. Dang, this was not like I just, you know, yeah, yeah, my gung fu yeah, is better. Yeah. My gung fu is better than your gung fu. It wasn't fair. Now this guy comes back again. He'll be like, oh, sh I've got to do this again. That would be like, nah, nah. It's not like, it's not, and it's not like, that's the thing. You know, like, well, like, even, you know, where, you know, Ali gave no ground to um what's it the Frazier until the end where he said you can't be doing this like <laughs> almost died in that ring like he's like obviously he had to it's like the closest and the other side of it is when um I think who's it um Frazier was trying to point out that the first fight is like hey um he said you know you went to he said you went to the hospital after the fight he's like I went to the hospital for like a day you went to the hospital for like a month, Frazier. I don't know why you would bring that up. <laughs> and you won the fight. And it's like those aspects of bravado are unnecessary for her because it's like she knows what they can do. And you're saying this guy is back to normal, no wounds, mm -hmm. no signs of nothing. And it's just like, I know people in, in movies don't really have to worry about injuries, but it's just like it would have been a good thing to be like, having in editing in such a way if you saw it or didn't see it to be like this is a big thing for her not that she's already battle ready she's got a bad fade and we're going to be like oh yeah you know see, that's where storytelling, fade. i don't like that's where storytelling comes in that's where storytelling comes in because if she had just kicked them off and we didn't see him okay no problem but then we see the trailer and we see that he's back and she's got this look on her face like you it can't you know the whole spider-man thing you it can't be you <laughs> yeah that's us we're like oh man okay well what happened and we mm -hmm. saw how tough he was the first time but now it's almost it's, it's, do we really think he's gonna pose any threat no he's gonna be the throwaway villain for her to you know find some way to, to finesse once more and that's where the storytelling is that's where the storytelling is lacking where i know i'm gonna be able to construct a really great fight scene and that's what they want to see they want to see a really great fight scene but not a story okay that that fight scene, a really great story that that really great fight scene fits into. Oh, good grief. Like well, he, he comes well, back, he looks better than he did the first time. And she, what is it? She had to go get a haircut to me. <laughs> like, I gotta cut my hair to make sure that I can fight. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. If you, you know, like people are, when they think about like the storytelling and they sit back and they say, all right, you know, um, these guys are supposed to win, right? 
And it's like, no, that's not what it's supposed to be. Like at the same time, when you're doing the your story and you're running into the same plots and you're not gonna be able to do too many different plots. But the interesting fact of the thing is like you're going to not didn't go to movie wise, but like saying like the X-Men, like the X-Men had things where it said, all right, here in the X-Men, the X-Men beat the people in the Savage Land, but at the end, Storm wasn't expecting the rock to fall down this cliff. So she like flies down and she's, you know, not interested in anyone dying. She's trying to get this monster that was trying to kill the X-Men. She can't get to him. And the next thing you know, she flies back and and Banshee's about to run over to her. And she's like, hey, Storm, why is she like a mile away from us? Wolverine's like, no, she went to save somebody and she, you know, she didn't come back. And it's like having that all the fight in the Imperial Guard where that, you know, Xavier's like, whatever, X-Men will fight for Gene. And then the X-Men get trounced. And then you have um, Professor Xavier, I'll never forgive myself after this. And then because the X-Men have been on ice for a while and, and Gene beats the Imperial Guard just waking up, the X-Men, the last line of defense, and they're just, you know, trying to hold hold her back, even though they know it's not going to go. So there's so much you can do. And at the same time, they were like, you know, putting in some new energy into the X-Men. And it's like, you got this thing and you're doing your own thing. And it's like, I get it. They took your stuff and you wanted to do this stuff. But that's Star Wars, right? Take your stuff, show that, hey, I'm taking back my stuff didn't do something a little more than having an armada come to this measly planet. So at least say, okay, like, what was it? Like City and Edge Forever. Okay, you guys have dilithium crystals or whatever the hell it was. And we want to make this deal <laughs> or else, but have them in a place where they need what's on the planet or else they just say, why are we fighting these, these guys and wasting our time on Vietnam? Just blow the planet up. We don't want any, the resistance on this planet blow that planet up. I don't care about the grain or whatever it is on this planet. And that's, you know, sometimes that can be to your detriment as a, um, you know, as some sort of imperial type of um, group. Yeah, you just, just, just do the Death Star move and say, you know what, these guys gave us Greek. We blew them out. We get grain elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, and the other thing is like, the Death Star is moving. So it's like, it already destroyed the planet. And it's like, it keeps moving. So it's like, and it's just, all you got is the timing of the Death Star to shoot you down, but it's like they have an interesting thing, which is, I guess, is similarly, it felt, even though it's the bad guys, it felt kind of like a Star Blazers type ship. I was just like, that's kind of thing that I would want to get into. You know, you have um, Battlestar Galactica, which they turn into like a arc in space. You know, it's like as an Imperial side, that would be more interesting to kind of see. So I understand having all your cool characters and having your own ones and this, that, and the other. And then you kill you kill one of the other guys, so it'll be more girls than guys on the trip. Yay! <laughs> but um, you know, ultimately, I want to see more different stuff. So I'm not sure if this is gonna, but you know, you got to give us something different for this ending because no, I, I don't think he does. Neck and, I don't uh, think he does. It's not for us. It's for his fandom. I don't think he does. I think he knows what his people want to see. 
because it's, I'm looking at that scene where you got the villagers and they're fighting against the straw men, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> just, put <a> rifle, <laughs> just put a rifle in these guys' hands and, you know, call it a day. You know, what do they need to – they're really going to fight hand-to-hand? If they're well, going to fight hand-to-hand, this is over. It's also room for a lot of comedy, too, where it's like you see them with a hatchet and go against the straw man and just like <laughs> – and it doesn't go through. It's like, try again. And I knew it would try to work the next time and someone got the gun right. Ready to game. Blow! And the kickback. <laughs> he said, maybe we need another uh, group of people. Maybe we'll go out and look for some more people. We need some more people to fight these guys because these farmers are not cutting it. And, the, no, and Mr. Miyagi, the training of farming into turning them into, into action. Yeah, here, so... No, he you know he'll do the he'll do the uh, the the trite one where they may have some difficulty and some guy will come out like do you want to die do you want to die this that and the other blah 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 no fight and then there'll be some little kid who barely looks like they can lift the axe go and just chop the whole thing in half and then after that everybody's gonna become like you know John Wick John Wick squared and that'll be it you have the, the what is it the grandmothers will be jumping doing flips killing people you know cleaving them in half that'll be it because it's not it's been it's no longer about any sensibilities of what made the seven the seven samurai or magnificent seven such great films which you know was what is this underdog it's this underdog story where you have this oppressive force and these guys going for help and even when they get the help the help when you look at it it's not quite enough to deal with this it's not quite enough to deal with this so they're going to have to pull out all the stops and still have a little bit of luck on their side in order to get it done. And we get to know these characters very well. So then when they're lost, you know, we're like, oh man, we really want to hope that all these guys make it out. And we know that that's, you know, it's not going to happen. There's even a, you know, a little love affair that goes on, but you know, fight happens. They're able to be successful at cost. And then these guys move on to the next, you know, they move on to the next job. You know, great story. Great story as a samurai, great story as cowboys. Not so much <laughs> for what I'm seeing over here, because it's missing that crucial element. They're not underdogs. They're not underdogs. They took away that part of it where we're supposed to believe that these guys may not be successful or will not be successful in spite of the fact of having recruited these really elite fighters to come to their cause. That's what, I mean, do you think at any point that these guys are not going to win? Of course not. Well, yeah, of course well, not. I, that's a that's a that's a that's a key point. Only thing this I, I'm going to add to it is like if you look at if you look at Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. There's a lot of cheats just because they had a better, better budget. So they defeat the you know the emperor and the, they just destroy the Death Star. But when you go into the second one, they shifted a whole bunch of stuff where we don't understand how Beta goes to be like this old relic who probably is one of the best pilots that, you know, almost that lost. There's no punishment for losing in this situation. He becomes bigger, but at the same time, it worked in a sense to say, okay, you had this, now we're 10 times bigger. And they lost on, you know, they got through it and they had some victories, but it was all leading to the big loss at the end. So it was like, you got to see this. Hmm? They set the whole film on the run. Yeah, yeah, they had to keep I mean, going. Yeah, yeah. Even they were, small they pictures, the they saw the run. Yeah. So, okay. What happened? Vader shows up. All right, we escaped just in time. What? Oh, no, they're still after us. Uh oh, <laughs> we're going to do the jump to light speed. What do you mean it's not working? 
Okay, into the asteroid field. We'll lose them there, right? No, they're still after us. Oh, no, we almost got eaten by this thing. Okay, but we'll leave. Oh, no, they're back again. Okay, no, we're going to go attack. Okay, yeah, no, Han Solo pulled out all the stops. If you, oh, man, all the guys who love Solo, we were like, yeah, yeah, you can't mess with Han Solo. And then, oh, wait a second, who is this dude? Who, oh, man, Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was it. Boba Fett made his bones on the fact that he's the guy who caught Han Solo. We were all like, oh, man. Oh man! And then you're like, all right, well, they're gonna somebody's gonna pull the trick out of somewhere, right? There's got to be some way. These guys... no, no! Oh my goodness, they took an L. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when the movie ends, I'm still a kid when I see this movie. When the movie ends, my father loved that movie. Okay, he he loved Darth Vader. He's like, yeah, this is the best thing ever, Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> like all the fathers, all the fathers. Yeah, no, my father, my father didn't Vader, like Skywalker. <laughs> Yeah, my father didn't like Star Wars at all. He, we, 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 I mean, we were kids, so when we told him about it, he was like, I have no idea what these kids are saying. So he was like, yeah. And then he saw it, he was like, eh. And then he saw Empire Strikes Back, and he was just like, oh, yes. This is what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> my father loved Darth Vader. He was like, yeah, that's, you know, that was good. But I, and as an adult now, I understand why. But as a kid, I was just like, what do you mean they lost? Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? But then that's why. We were able to suspend all of that disbelief with those Ewoks because we were like, what? <laughs> I was just like, no. I was like, and, you know, to understand that process that, you know, they, what is it? They didn't get the big victory like they had in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they got something that was even more valuable. <laughs> they got it. They, got, they had, they ran away to fight another day as the, as the phrase goes, mm-hmm. you know, so you could, you know, so you could see that, but it was, you know, that's just a great film. Every time I watch it from start to finish, it's just like lean, no fat. Everything just works. Everything just sequence, you know, the sequencing tight, tight. We're not getting that in Rebel Moon Part Two. We're not gonna get that. But like I said, I'm gonna go into this. I am really trying to mold my mind into what I believe somebody who enjoys the Zack Snyder stuff is going into that for, and see if I can get some more enjoyment out of it that way. Because to be honest, it's it's a long way from the stuff Snyder did that I actually enjoyed years ago. That was 300 and Watchmen. Those are the only two films he did that I actually enjoyed. I thought he was very faithful to Watchmen, but then I'm going back looking at it and Watchmen isn't really a superhero movie. You know, it's, it's a murder mystery with some guys who are superheroes who don't really do anything super, super heroic at all. And then the only time they actually really get into action is towards the end of the movie which is pretty much the whole thing with the series as well. And then 300, 300 just was right up his alley. He didn't, he didn't make any detours. He just followed the script of the, of the comic. When he finally had to do something on his own, what interests him as a director just really overwhelms any character, any character that's not his own. So Batman's going to drive the Batmobile into the head of some, of some, of some street villain. And then he's going to go on record saying, look, his Batman kills. And if you think your Batman would never kill, you're living in an effing fantasy world. It's, you know, like, okay, all the stuff is there on record. So now you're looking at what is he messing around with? The template of the seven, of the seven samurai, Magnificent Seven. And again, it's, you know, it's really hard for this dude, really hard for this dude to supplant his own ideas in lieu of making a better, in lieu of making a better story. I don't think story really matters that much to him. At the end of the day. Well, that's that's the thing you have to remember when you're looking at this, when you look at um The Force Awakens and that trilogy of stuff. 
you can look at it in a sense with even the you know the phantom menace and those sense of trilogy is that the the character you know even people though people grew out of the the what's the name the return of the jedi the character and the performance of the human character and even the animated and you know people in in like r2d2 and c3po the dimension that they added to those characters was so heavy that you can't even compare it you could see it when you look at the casting and you see this person who you know um, what's the name mark hamill in his cast and selects where he just basically has gibberish to say he don't know anything about any of this stuff they just probably gave him a direction what his character is and he has to act like it's it, it means something and the same with carrie fisher here here's all this gibberish you have to sound like this princess and make it make sense and you can see it in the casting you can see it when you're you know when you're at the edge i'm at the edge of my seat thinking that luke and um, hmm? no you're saying that and i'm remembering what uh man his name is escaping right now right now uh obi-wan can don't tell me his name because it'll come to me but uh, the actor who played Obi Wan Kenobi, I guess I think he did somebody. They were quoting. Oh, him Alec Guinness. Yes. Well, I said, don't tell me. Anyway, had to do so it. Alec Guinness. Yeah. So Alec Guinness, the way he described the movie, I think he was politely saying, "This is trash." No, he <laughs> said that. He said that later. He said that way later. After he was like, he was politely simple. saying, "Like, hey, the movie. When I look at the script and everything of this nature, this is trash." But. <laughs> It's a, it might be a spectacle that they actually enjoy. And you can tell, too, because even in the later films, he was like, no, nah, I'm regulating myself to the minimum. <laughs> the minimum I've got to be in this movie. He was like, you're going to see me once or twice, if that. You know, if that at the end of the day, and that'll, uh, that will be the end of it. Because even, but, you know, but Alec Guinness was, a, you know, he's a professional actor, so he turns up to do his job. And he delivers the lines. He's like, oh, you must, he's like, you must come with me and find the new ways of the force. And you could probably hear it in his brain like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell am I saying? I was in Lawrence of Olivier. What the hell am I saying at the end of the day? Okay. Well, Lawrence of Lawrence. I can't believe I just said Lawrence of Olivier. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> well, that's the thing, thing you have to remember is the hard part is, is before um the di everything went digital and you can see it in the in the phantom menace and you can see the to a less extent the hulk uh one of my favorite actresses um uh was a jennifer connelly she was like they're they're making me act to a post-it and then you go to the next hulk film and you have Liv tyler who you know i thought was cute but i didn't really think of her as an actress but she sells all these scenes where there's no Hulk there. She's selling the scenes where the Hulk is there and he's upset about the rain or the lightning or something like that. <laughs> and then when he wants to kill the abomination, he's like you know, choking the hell out of him. And she comes out of there and she's like, like, no, or, you know, which is the, the scene where she pushes him out. Now, in the comics, the put scene where she pushes him out, they turn into a very nice dramatic scene which works for the film I, I like the comic book version where the hulk well, bruce banner was stuck after the cobalt man his um how he was radiating turned bruce hulk back into bruce banner 
So Betty is with him and is like, we got to stop the cobalt. herself saying, we got to stop the cobalt man, gets him on the roof. And the next thing you know, he's like, Betty, you weren't going to just try to push me off of the, <laughs> the roof to make me turn it over. And he's like, he's like, and she's like, there's no other way. And he's like, you're not doing it. And then they get in a little scuffle. Of course, he goes over, but it doesn't happen where he hits the ground. By the time he hits the ground, he's already turned to the Hulk and was like, well, how did I get here? But that emotion is what people have to remember. It's like having cool people or having, you know, jokey banter is not going to give you the characterization and make us care about these characters. And that's what you need, you know, writers that are going to come in and say, why are these guys together? Or are they going to have the, you know, I always say with the League of the, the Comic League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where they all should put their hands in and be like, we are fighting for XYZ, this, that, and the other. It needs an Avengers moment or Fantastic Four moment. That's where someone says, we're going to be this type of deal, where it's like, all right, it's like the butt, it's like, it's not even, um, what do they call it? With a stagecoach or whatever that 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 western that they based Star Star Trek on, it's basically the bus ride of of, of champions. It's like, hey, where are you going my way? We got a fight to go. Okay, get in the back. <laughs> okay, you got the lady with the sword. You get on there. But it's like that sort of thing with the characterization, where it's like, you know, the only one who um, the general is the only one that has a connection to her. Some of these other people have kind of got on board but it's just like getting that emotion which is why people start where they used to be a group together and then they disbanded or they they failed and then now they had to work together so you have a shorthand here we're just picking up i'll pick this guy out of the crew and that guy and it's like it's kind of tough making a crew when you know you have um you know it's a it's kind of tough to do that to get the emotion i say no say you have to think about your emotion that you're trying to get, and maybe you should get to more writers, but at the same time, I, I know a lot of people are like, why are we worrying about this emotion? Because when you sit, I'm sitting there, we're going back to my original point, when you're sitting there and you're, set, you're following Luke, I'm not following Han. Like, I am not caught up with Han. I'm following Luke. He kissed, what's the name? In my mind, that kiss didn't, that kiss mattered, right? All this thing where Han was talking to, to Leia was getting on my nerves because I'm like, it's Luke. Wait a second. Chick is like going for Han. Luke is somewhere else. Yo, what is going? This is like when you, you find out your, your girl you like likes your best friend. He's like, yo, he's going through this. This is messed up. You get start getting madder and madder. They get all That's people. what happened. Huh? That's what ha- that's what happens when you don't guard your girl. But, that's what happens. <laughs> but this is all the thing is like then you get to a point where what's the name? They're at the point where she says, or oh, what's that? I love you, and he's I know. And it's like he gets frozen and like, wait a second, he's gone. This yep. movie, how long? And I'm a kid, and like, how long is this movie gonna go? He's out of here. <laughs> and then I'm like saying, wait a second, I was upset with, with what's the name? I'm, I'm mad at, at, at Lando. I'm like, I, I love Lando when he got there. Now I want to kill him. And I'm like, <laughs> he just took Han away. Wait a second, I was just complaining about Han. <laughs> now we lost him. And it's all in my head. 
And I'm like, no, we can't, we can't lose Han. Like that, that's just wrong. So it's like all this emotion that you have in this sort, this love triangle, which you can't do, can't do love triangles anymore because they were like, oh, why you? He met her first. You can't talk to that person because you met her. Like that's not how it works. It don't work like that. There's no rule where, hey, I saw this person first, so even if she don't like me, you gotta go find another girl. Like, well, that's a hateration. But anyway, um, hey, we know the rules. There are no rules when it comes to love. Meaning, guard your girl. <laughs> but that's the thing. You, the, the, I'll say that to say all of the twists and turns of that triangle, which if you look at it, there's not much as far as um, Leia to Luke, even though in my head I was following Luke. So, but at the same time, the emotion, at the same time, I'm now upset that we lost Han. So whatever I, all the triangle part, I don't care about anymore. I'm more interested in like, is Han gonna survive this? So it's like, and even though people say, okay, he's supposed to die in what's the name, no, why would you die in what's the name when they just went to save him? Did we save him and then he dies at the end? That would be just adding a dramatic moment for no, we would, we'd be like, that's, that kills it. Like, then don't save him. Then say we weren't able to save him and he. They did, a, they did a classic thing that, you know, a lot of readers probably wouldn't know of, but what usually gets a lot of these stories over the hump when you have that type of ensemble cast is that they they actually end up making some sort of gestalt. So they're greater than the sum of their parts. But the movie splits up the team. Okay, the movie splits up the team. So Luke can't come in there. Uh, Han can't come in there with the with the to lend the assist. Everybody's pretty much on their own. And that's mm -hmm. and that's and you know that's what really undercut the effectiveness that they you know that they might have had because you know Luke can't come in there to use the force. But in the same thing, you take Han off. There's no rescue for Luke. You know, it's just like it was all over the place. And then who's the hero? Well, Luke Skywalker, right? That's the guy who was supposed to be following, but we can't follow Luke because we got to, you know, we got to do this stuff with Han too. It's just really good. It's just the orchestra. I could always go back to that film and like pick up some more stuff. And if I was like a guy who was really looking to, you know, just start writing something, you know, that'd be a great thing just to see, okay, this is how you do it. You know, this is what needs to go here, which I think most writers should do. I think they should go and like, okay, I want to start off. How do I get the how do I get the audience's attention? Oh, I'm going to start with action. Okay, I'm going to start with action, and that's pretty much the first movie. First movie starts, which you already noted. We see the ship, and then we see the much bigger ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, sure, it, it, yeah. it automatically gets you there. Like, okay, well, what's going on? You know, look at here. What's going on? You know, you know, what, where are they running from? What's the situation? Doesn't really give you time to think, but you do get emotionally invested very quickly. Mm -hmm. very quickly in terms of it and you know a lot of the you know the guys don't do it they don't think they need to know how to write a story where like right here what do we need okay we need a love scene right here why because we need something to break up the monotony of the action we need a different type mm -hmm. of action we don't need just this physical thing of these guys fighting or something of that nature we need uh you know we need a little romance here to break that up with some different action okay but uh, we don't want to do too much of that. Like, no, we need to do that because now one of the guys there, one of the samurai has a reason to fight more than money. Okay. He, you know, cause a lot of us don't understand fighting for money. We understand working for money, mm -hmm. <laughs> but why would he go here and fight, you know, in these situations when there's a very good chance he could end up dead. There's no amount of money. Oh, 
he falls in love. Okay, good, good, good. You know, and that helps to, you know, that helps to bring in more aspects, more, you know, more aspect, more balance, more story, just good stuff at the end of the day. And I think we have extended this review like an extra 15 minutes by not talking about it. That's how little we're interested we've got well, in this movie. I, I mean, I'm not going to, I knew that was going to come up, but I think ultimately as a, as a, it just, it just hit me. I was like, when's the last time I said anything about Robin I, uh, Nothing. I, 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 I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming, but um, I would say, that's the thing. I would say the hard part is, is like, and this is what people gave, um, that give um, Tyler Perry-ish for, because they're saying, oh, he needs writers, this, that, and the other. If you're successful in what you're doing, then, and your product hits your market, then do whatever you want. Like the same time, this here, this is a mass market thing, right? So that's not for a niche art or audience. You might say, because it's like, okay, action, not everyone goes to that, but this is your big blockbuster stuff, even though it's on Netflix. So at the yeah. same time, you want to have something that people go back and remember, besides me saying what I say is that the lead is hot. I like um, Dijon. Hansu and this like like I can't imagine he, somehow he's always he's good, he's great in everything and I was like but I'm and I'm, I'm trailing off he was better he was better in Gran Turismo <laughs> but it's like you know which, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it already he does a good mm -hmm. job plus he gets Jerry Halliwell in the movie so you can't beat that <laughs> mm -hmm. so but you have this you have um people that you like or you or here's the electric girl with the the metal arms or whatever and it's just like. You have, if you have spend more time on your story, which I mean, I think the shorthands that he did with the with the with the army of zombie movies, at least the start of the action characters, even though I hated the movie, like at least gives you your start of saying, here's the group, and they have this dynamic, and you go into this and like, no, I want to have a traveling circus of people we find people on the road like um what was it what was it was a wagon was a wagon train of the stars that's what it called but it's like that's, that's what you just have to you have to remember that when you're doing this is that character is the most important part and the character is important the characterization is as important as your plot sort of things and then at the same time you're doing this stuff, you want to have some twists in there so people are like, and I think it was a cool visual seeing this this villain come back to life at the end, but they didn't have, they didn't have the payoff when she sees him again. She's not like Sarah Connor, where Sarah Connor sees Ar Arnold and is like, shh, shh. that pays off everything that we saw in the first movie that is not, this wasn't all bullshit. That is like, I did all that work and this guy is right in front of me, all brand new. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm half drugged and there's nothing I can do about it. So, you know, just your character is important. And I don't, I think in rushing and trying to just get back his parts, which a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. I mean, there's so many Marvel movies that are the, whatever the Spider-Man 3, uh, the Spider-Man 4, uh, what's the name? Bits of that turned up in 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 Amazing Spider-Man, and other bits wound up in in Homecoming. So it's just like this happens. I get it, but at the same time, you know, you don't have. You're the guy. They're giving you 
I don't I can't say carte blanche, but you know, you want to give something that wows the people, and you don't. No, wanna... you can say no. You can say carte blanche. He can do whatever he wants. These are his own characters, <laughs> his own movies. You know, he can, he's already done all that stuff. He's obviously making money for him. They did that. They did that zombie nonsense that he was doing. Where now this is that that you know zombie kingdom or what have you. That crap. I mean, zombie, it's such a long yeah. way. Such a long way away from the. I mean, when he did that first, was the Day of the Dead? It was just. It, it, the reason what I enjoyed it is just was like, okay, this is just different. I'm not used to these. I was like, these zombies are no joke because these guys are coming at you full speed, which they're not supposed to be doing. Which they're not supposed to be doing because that kind of defeats the whole purpose of getting away from them. Because the zombies are supposed to overwhelm you with just the numbers at the end of the day, where they just keep coming, they keep coming, and eventually. There's nowhere for you to run, you know, that that's where the big thing comes with the zombies. But, you know, once the zombies can run after you, it's like, well, hey, you know, they might as well be vampires at the end of the day if these guys can just chase, you know, run me down at the end of the day. But he can do what, you know, he can do whatever he wants. So he's got carte blanche with this stuff. And we, we see what happens when he can do whatever he wants. He just keeps doing the stuff that he, he keeps, you know, for lack of better phrasing. He keeps doing the stuff that he wants to do. So there's no mystery. Well, that's that's the thing. And then my last point is I will use every movie reference I could in our indirect movie. I want to do a, a less obscure one. You go watch Red Belt, right? And it sits around and it looks like it's going to be a regular fight movie. And every Red Belt is, You think Red Belt is less obscure? I'm saying, well, I don't know how many people know it, but I love it every time I see it. They took every right. fight cliche and said, Let's flip it. All right, here we have the asshole Hollywood um, um, uh, fight trainer there. And he's like, oh, I want you to meet this guy. Because the actor's like, let me bring this guy who seems real to a guy we think is real. And then he sees like, hey, how did you get here? <laughs> it's like, hey, no, this is supposed to be a fight where we show he shows up the Hollywood guys and shows like, no, no, everybody. And that's the thing about fighters. Most of the time, if you're in that sort of thing, you know the next guy. And it's just like, that's great. Oh, my goodness. And it's like the twist of saying, there's no such thing as the red belt. There's no such thing. And at the end, <laughs> the guys, like, you brought the man here? You brought him for this bullshit? And at the end, he brings that and you're just like, oh, like that's so, there's so many twists in that movie when he decides to give it up, give up, and then. <laughs> And smacks the shit out of him and he goes back and starts fighting again. It's like he's like, no, there's no reason to fight. This is all bullshit. You got this all made up. And she's like, no, don't make you go back in there. And it's like <laughs> it's like this is for nothing. You made you made this statement and now you gotta fight. So it's take you know, like even Alien had a lot of twists for a slasher film. It had a lot of twists, like almost the people in the audience are sitting there saying, the cat is connected to the alien. The cat is where <laughs> the cat is in a distance, but the, you know the fact that they have the cat with the dramatic lighting, and it's like the cat's watching them. The cat set up the people. That cat is the alien. Don't go to sleep with the cat. It's like it's like everyone's so used to. How do we show the alien is terrible? The first thing, guys, is the cat. Where the cat ultimately would hide in spots where it can't get. It's like that damn cat. No, 
<laughs> Ripley, don't sleep with the cat. Don't sleep with the cat. <laughs> That's the way people don't know what they're going into. They don't know that what's the name is going to survive the ending, that sort of stuff. So <laughs> that same, we're going to end it here. <laughs> Any last words? <laughs> well, now that you bring up Red Belt. <laughs> <laughs> Red Belt was a higher level form of the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Okay, where it was the guy? It was like the guy who didn't want it was the most worthy. I, I love that ending, though. I love that ending where he yes. comes over there. But he, at no point did he ever want this. He didn't want to fight. He, even in the end, he didn't want to fight. You know, he didn't want to. Fight. He's like, look. And then he does that really nice. You know, it's it's such a simple. It's it's executed very well. It's more difficult than it would. More difficult than anybody would imagine to ex- to execute, but it was executed very well. It makes it look simple as to how good he really is. And then at the end, he's like, "Oh yeah, there's a real belt. It's you." <laughs> <laughs> you know that type of stuff. He was like, "Oh yeah, that was that was very rewarding." I saw that film on a lark. I saw. Yeah. I was just yeah. uh no, because I was. This was just at a time when I had a lot of down, downtime, and I could just like you know take in film. I was watching a lot of film, a lot of anime, a whole bunch of stuff. I had so much free time to uh, to get things in at that at that point, and I saw that, and that was one of the more rewarding films I've seen. That has never been the case with any of Zack Snyder's stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Well, I'm going to just do. I know what I said at the end. I'm going to say that's one of the other things. There's shorthands that you don't have to use to work in the mood that to say other things because I think. Um, well, Chiwo Edifor, he was in this other movie. I think it's Dirty Pretty Things where he played like a morgue guy but at the same time you see him playing chess all the time and usually in hollywood that means the person is smart and he meets he meets one of his co-workers towards the end of the movie the co-worker says uh, oh it's like <laughs> you got yourself in trouble again and he says you're good at chess bad at life and i was like wow that line really paid off because it's usually how and that's not true for everyone who plays chess but it was just a good not going to, hey, chess means this guy is smart or this guy is together. And he was like, the person who's his friend saw this guy gets into these roller coasters, but he somehow is able to focus on the chessboard and not in his life. He gets caught into all this stuff because he was like, a, you know, he, was, he, he wasn't able to do the full job. So it was kind of messed up. And that's one thing, just you got all this stuff. You can just have fun with it. You don't have to just say, I'm gonna do my stars. You don't wanna be like all the other movies that didn't work, but this, but you have a good budget, so everything looks great. You want it to be like, that was the, the stage but better. He, that, no, but that's where he is. That's where he is. It looks great. It looks great. I mean, every time, I don't, this is what we say. Every time we give this guy credit for the visuals, mm-hmm. and if he's, if he's getting that, I mean, I doubt he's listening to, to us. You know, on this podcast, but okay, if let's say by some stretch of the imagination he is, he can tune out everything else, and we're going to give him credit for the visuals. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. Looks great, okay? It looks great. He's like, what's feasting this? I don't want you to feast on this with your mind. I want you to feast on this with your eyes. And don't your eyes love what I'm giving you? And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know. Sad to say this wasn't a glowing review of the trailer, but um, you know, it's, it was a it's gonna be on Netflix, so there's really no reason not to see it. 
and the ketchup and um you know <sighs> but yeah it was it you know some people watched a bunch of ours some i think i don't know if that one something else got comments but ultimately we had to come back here and we're gonna see see the the other part in april so spin rack is out out finally out